Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We thank you all for tuning in. And thanks for listening on the radio. We're excited about today's show. We're uh, in East Tennessee once again uh, in Jonesboro and uh, still on the farm here, Mr. Kim Woods. But uh, we've got two more guests today and, and excited to talk to them, Mr. Larry Prophet and Arden Hill. Uh, we're going to have some great stories today. We're going to be talking turkeys, and uh, it should be fun. And i got Mr. Matt Cameron here helping me co-host. Back again. Yeah. Excited for this one. We are glad. Uh, glad Matt's joining us and uh, he always does a great job helps us out and uh, we're uh, happy to be in your neck of the woods I'm glad y'all came to East Tennessee like closer to home for me yeah yeah I like to get out when we can and and, and uh, do the show on the road a little bit and it's always fun so uh, I want to thank Mr. Larry Prophet and Arden Hill for being with us today and and uh, you guys uh, I hear y'all Got some great stories to tell and, and uh, been around a little while, so uh, should be should be a fun show. Uh, turkey hunting has changed uh, over the years, and, and it's gotten better, and, and, and uh, it's, uh, I'm sure you've seen it all. Both of you have probably been, seen a lot of things throughout the years, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I interviewed uh, former Tennessee Fish and Wildlife Commissioner Chad Baker a few weeks ago, and he mentioned Larry Prophet and Arden Hill, and he said, they're two of the best turkey hunters that ever lived, was, were, were his words. And no doubt, um, in Upper East Tennessee, they're both legends of turkey hunting. And with turkey season coming up this Saturday, the statewide season opens this Saturday morning, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to get them on the show and talk to them about their experiences in turkey hunting over, over the decades. And uh, they've, they've seen it when there were no turkeys, and they've seen the, the, the good old days of turkey hunting, which I think we are, we're probably in at this point. So, yeah. Jason, lead us where you want us to go here. Yeah, well, let's just start out with uh, uh, whoever wants to start, but let's just chat about how long have you been turkey hunting and how did you get introduced into turkey hunting and, and the world and, and just hunting in general? My first hunt was in 1968 or 69, and I was in School of Pharmacy at the University of Tennessee, and we wanted to go duck hunting, but they already had all the places leased up. Gordon Baker called me one night. He said, there's going to be a turkey hunt. I said, turkeys? He said, yeah, we went uptown and bought us to York Arms downtown Memphis and bought us a foolproof box call. I think the name of it had something to do with our choice. <laughs> and so anyway, we went out the first morning to Shelby Forest, had those Elmer Foot outfits on and our double barrels. And we sit down there and I was raised on a farm. I didn't, I'd never heard a turkey, but I knew what chickens sound like and we're sitting about 20 steps apart looking around like a couple of children. And all of a sudden, an old man, something caught my eye, and I looked, and here come an old man where a log, a tree had fallen into the crotch of a door. And he walked down there, and he walked up between us. He said, what are you boys doing? I said, we're turkey hunting, mister. He said, no, you're not. He said, you really you hear that thing strutting over there? Didn't you see me call to him? I said, no, but we'll be leaving. So we went out to Gordon's 1960s Oldsmobile convertible, and we looked in front of this little field, and the field was full of turkeys, and we didn't know nothing about beards or anything, but we gave them four courtesy shots. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. A lot of elements to that story there. The 
first experiences in the woods and getting yeah. walked in on yeah. and the convertible yeah. and, and shooting in a bunch of turkeys yeah. in a field. But it was, uh, you know, it was a long time when I'd hunted. I'd killed a couple of turkeys in the late 70s or 89, 79 or 80, and, and there wasn't any videos. There was no such thing as a computer or all this stuff or Internet. So you had to get somebody to go with you. And the judge was already known in the area of, of being a great turkey hunter. And uh, he killed the first turkey and had a season in Johnson County. And so I called him one night and I said, would you go with me? And he said, yes. said, you find a goblin turkey and I'll go with you. And so we went that morning to where I'd heard the turkey and he went... He's he's whispering to me the things to do. He'd do a little tree call, and then he'd he'd yep a little, and the gobbler'd gobble, and then he did a fly down cackle. And I was sitting watching. I thought, well, that's what you do. And then all of a sudden, we heard the patsy cline of all turkeys walking towards that gobbler. Yep, and I thought, boy, she sounds. That guy sounds good, but it wasn't a him, it was a her. <laughs> and that was the last of the deal. Now, I've used that for years. People say, I want take me turkey hunting. I say, find a good goblin turkey and I'll go with you. But you know, nobody takes you up on that. <laughs> want you to do all the work for them. Huh? Yeah, mm. but finding the turkey. But the, the judge, is, he's, he took me when I was a pup, and I don't forget that. Well, we've we've said uh, you said judge a couple times. Mr. Arden Hill is was a judge here in in this area, right? Criminal court judge. Okay, yes, sir. Sessions and in criminal court, but he was criminal court judge for four four counties, wasn't he? Right. And uh, and a, and a World War II veteran. Yeah, yes, sir. So we appreciate your service for sure. God bless you. Well, thank you. Well, tell us a story or two about uh, growing up turkey hunting and 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 being in the outdoors. Well. When I grew up, we had some things to hunt, rabbits and squirrels and uh, a few uh, like quail and grouse, but we didn't have any turkeys or deer. And uh, we had, uh, my dad had uh, uh, almost a zoo, had some animals, uh, uh, three different birds. And... uh, I play with the cubs, and they get to where they'd slap me around, and <laughs> and we stop playing with them. And uh, uh, he was a bear hunter, and I learned a lot from him uh, about hunting. And uh, but he p- passed away before uh, he got into turkey hunting. We didn't have turkeys until I forgot what year it was, but I think I killed the only legal turkey. Uh, Legally killed turkey in Johnson County that year, and uh, on opening day I heard it gobble and I called and it answered and some hens flew down and he he left with the hens and I kept thinking about it on the last day of the season, which is about ten days later. I kept thinking about it. I, I remember it was the twelfth day of May because I kept the paper for ages, uh, so I don't know what year it was, but uh, I went back to the same spot and. He called and he uh, he answered. And I could see the woods leaves hadn't blooming out yet, and uh, I could see in the area. And he was coming from the next ridge over, and I finally saw the tip of his tail behind a log, and I did some kind of cackle or something, 
and he folded it and came right around and came right directly toward me. And I got ready and ready, and the wind was blowing a little bit, and all at once I looked to my left, and there he was, and he had his head sideways. Well, the leaves were blowing a little bit, and I slowly moved around. It took me a long time and, and shot him and killed him, and uh, he squalled. I never... I've had I never had one squall since, but he squalled, mm. and I gave him another shot, and I, yay! <laughs> so that's that's my first experience with turkey hunting. That's pretty exciting. And uh, you said uh, twelve days later or ten days later. Do you remember how long the season was back then? It's about ten or twelve days because it's the okay. first day I went. Okay. And then the last day of the season I went. Gave him. But I don't know what year, but uh, yeah. they didn't publish it uh, until the next year. There's a few, few more killed, and that was in the pamphlets they put out uh, in uh, the Tennessee Magazine. Mm-hmm. Things have come a long way, haven't they? Oh, yes. They've changed a lot. Yeah, we have a lot of turkeys now, but we have a lot of hunters now. And uh, the, maybe the population is down a little bit, and we need to make sure that the young hunters have a place to hunt. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you learned how to call. You said you cackled at it and, and it turned and come to you, but what? Well, how did you learn how to call these guys? For, fortunately, I was raised with domestic turkeys. Okay. And we had a few in the mountains there. Uh, and one turkey came to our, turkey hen came to our place one time, but she uh, disappeared a few days later. And our gobbler didn't go with her. He had domestic turkeys to stay. So, uh, uh, that's, my, I guess, the uh, first turkey I ever saw around there was at, at, at our, our house there, mm-hmm. which is between Hampton and Rome Mountain. So I guess you heard them every day and kind of kind of learned it that way. Well, I learned a little bit about turkeys, yeah. Yeah. What kind of calls did you use as far as uh, slates or box or diaphragm? Well, I started out with a box call, and then later I went to a diaphragm and made my own diaphragms. And uh, uh, now I use a, a locator, and then I put the locator box up and go to the diaphragm. And all you have to move then is, is your jaw. Do you still use diaphragm call? Yeah, I use a diaphragm. Do you still make your own? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I lost uh, uh, the knack of it, I guess. Or, <laughs> but it was something to make my own call and call a turkey. With that call, kid, yeah. and I did that. That's satisfying. That's pretty cool. That's really neat. Um, so, how many turkeys have you killed throughout your life? You got a number? I, I I've killed 126. That's, and, uh, that's what happened to the turkeys in Tennessee. Four. Arden Hill got after them. Uh. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, I've only crippled two that got away, and I shot the feathers out of one with a bow. But I cut the feather, and there wasn't any blood on it, so I didn't injure it. But I let two get away because they sailed off the mountain in the area. Uh, it might have been the same mountain, I believe it was, uh, uh, in the area where I couldn't go follow him up and look for him. Probably could have got that one, too, if you could have got in the area to get might, him out there. I'd have been able to find yeah. him, yeah. But that bothered, bothered me to get, let those Absolutely. two get away. That's that's cool. That's some great great stories. Uh, I'm sure you got plenty more, but um, uh, Mr. Larry, I, I've got a note here that says you're uh, uh, y'all. Or I guess both of you were part of the instrumental in starting the North Cherokee chapter of NWTF. 
This is the man right here. This is the man, okay. And I, he, he called me one night and says, let's come on, let's go to a meeting. We went to Sulphur Springs, which is just about a stone's throw across the ridge here. And we had our meetings down here, but we started the North Cherokee chapter. And it's been, uh, we've seen a lot of good things happen. And uh, the good thing about the Turkey Federation is the money that we raise that out of the net dollars, 52 cents of that net dollar comes right back to Tennessee, and it's it's dispersed all over the state. Mm. And, you know, a lot of these organizations, uh, money goes to the national, and they, they do it like the ducks, but, around, you know, each chapter gets opportunity to put in for a, something for uh, children, for to, we we just want to put it on the ground to help the well it only helps all wildlife things that we do but it's been a it's a good strong chapter yet yeah and then you you also are a, a calling judge for the the I judge in the, grand, in the Grand Nationals they ask me to and to uh, you know you they want somebody some of the, these young these young men, of course, everybody's young to me and the judge now. <laughs> and uh, so, but anyway, I, I judge in the contest. They want a, they want somebody that knows what it, the turkey sounds like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of them want to add today. It's I told them in uh, this last contest we had at Garrett Cabela's two weeks ago. Okay. I said, was t talking with the judges, and I said, now, if they they ask for the, the yelping of an excited hen, a lot of a lot of callers now want to create a scenario rather than given the, the yelping of an excited hen. I said they they want to put half cuts and half yelps. Well, at that stage, they should be they should know the required call. You know. If they can, they can read and write, and they're good. But they embellish it sometimes right. too much. But I said, if it sounds just like a turkey might sound, that's a good score. But if it's, if it doesn't have that, it's not so good a score. Let's talk about that convention for a second. Um, you were at the National Wild Turkey Federation convention again this year, weren't you? Yes. And they always ask the World War II veterans to to stand up and be yes. recognized. Right. How many of you are left? There's three. Stood, right, three stood this year. And three's been standing about two or three years in a row. Yeah. One of them, one of them was a past president of the National Wild Turkey Federation, Gene Denton. The other guy's from, uh, it was a Navy vet, but Judge and Gene are both Army vets. Army veteran. Can you talk He's a minute about your experiences? He was Army Air Force. I forgot. Army I'm forgot. i sorry. Air Force, mm. I was, uh, Air Force when it was part of the Army. Wow. And I was in the Army Ordnance for a short time. Worked on howitzers and guns of all kinds. And Is there any experiences you'd like to share? Well, I could talk all day about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it was some experience. Uh, I didn't see the roughest part like some people did. But I had a few close calls. Mm. And... Uh, didn't realize it. Uh, uh, soon after, I, well, I guess it was one of the first planes to land at the Borgia Airdrome, and uh, they were still filling in uh, shell holes. Uh, some uh, Frenchmen were filling in, and we landed. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, 
stayed in an old bombed-out building until mm. we found places to uh, to put our headquarters and and uh, set up to uh, fly the whatever's necessary to the front, such as blood or ammunition, and fly the wounded back to to England. Mm. And uh, that was some experience. I saw some pitiful, pitiful cases. And uh, and we, we, we they take from us whatever they needed the front. If they needed food, we give them all of our food. We need K rations. And uh, if they needed blood, they get you out of bed and you have blood. Mm. And that, that they say in a truck, just wait. We'll give you blood in about an hour. You can take it back with you. So and they get you out too often, which is not healthy. Mm. If you didn't mm-hmm. uh, uh, tell them about it. But they sent whatever to, uh, that was needed to the front, and then we get ours a few hours later instead of uh, uh, having them to wait a few hours. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen a lot and could tell us stories all day long, and we appreciate we really do appreciate your service. Yes, sir. I, I, I wouldn't take a million dollars for it, but I wouldn't go through it again for a million. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. And uh, the judge as well. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your time as a judge. Well, I was uh, a Sessions judge in Carter County for uh, eight years, and then I was criminal court judge for four counties for uh, uh, three terms, so a total of uh, 32 years and three weeks. I was judge, and, and I'm still a judge in certain powers. I, I marry, marry people and uh, swear people into uh, office mm-hmm. and, and maybe another uh, thing or two I can't mm-hmm. think of right now. Yeah. Maybe carry a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of carrying, what you got with you here today? Oh, that's a, that's a my wife found that for me someplace. It's a, uh, it's one of my favorite uh, canes. It's got a turkey on the top. That's beautiful. It is. That's cool. That's a nice one. Um, uh, earlier you were talking about uh, how a gobbler sounds, and I don't want to put you in the spot, but could you could you show us or tell us demonstrate what uh what a turkey should sound like what he's getting ready if a turkey can be called this man can do it <laughs> he can do it Convince me. <laughs> they. It's awesome. Sounds when I was talking the other day about hunting. I said I quit deer hunting and elk hunting and everything when I found out I could cold call gobblers in the summer, winter, and fall, and. This old man from Texarkana, he wrote a book, and I read it, and it was not in the, maybe in the early 90s. He, he liked wing bones. He told me there was a call you could use. He, he fall hunted a lot, and there was a call. He says, it sounds to me like bonk. And it, so he said he used a wing bone. So I called. He, he was helpful. He said a lot of people won't, do, won't help people anymore. 
but I'm going to take it to my grave. So he told me about this vocalization, and I finally, long story short, I mastered it on a wing bone. I kept cutting the wing bone, third bone, to till I got that sound. Hmm. And so in the mountains here on Walnut Mountain, one day I was driving through on a Wednesday, and I saw two big gobblers going up over the hill, and I said, I'll see you boys Friday morning because I had to work the next day. And I went up there first light. I took everything I had that could sound like a gobbler, and I went up there, and I had me one of these new little, everything was film cameras in. Mm. And so this was in the 90s. And you push the button, and it's going to go like this. It'd come out, you know, and you could take a picture. So I was going to call them and take their picture. So I did everything that I could think of at first light, nothing. You I mean, I was on top of this hill, and there was a ridge went off. There's four ridges went off, and they came together up here. I took that, I kept, I did all these other things, and I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'm going to try that call and see how it works. And I did that call, and down to the bottom of this ridge, bonk, comes right back. And I thought, I'm not believing this. And I got my camera up, and then in just a little while, up that ridge, onk, 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 three gobbler yelps. And I thought, oh, I'm getting cold chills now. I had that camera, and I had it turned on. And all of a sudden, right there was a big red head straight up looking at me. And I looked, and the camera had sh shut up. I found out later it does that after you've had it on for 10 minutes to save the battery. And I pushed the button, and this one flew off. Well, I didn't. The other one had got on past me. And he came back, and he saw me, and I, and he took off, and I took his picture, and I've got his, I've got, that's one of my prized pictures. I've got it, and I just wrote a book recently on turkey hunting. And that's one of the pictures I've got on it, and some of him. But that, that I got, I captured that particular turkey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I fall hunt. I hunt in the spring, 10 states, and, spring and about eight in the fall but i don't hunt as many in the fall because the bag limits have gone down a lot right well, where's some of the best turkey hunt in the country in your opinion well you know i i i try hunt slams it's the osceola in southern florida the easterns that we have in tennessee and most of the other places the miriams which is a white on his tail feathers mm. And uh, on his rump, and he lives in the mountains in Nebraska and New Mexico. We hunted in New Mexico too, in the mountains high. It's like thirteen thousand. Wow. But uh, then there's the Rio Grande, in Texas and Oklahoma. So if you kill one of each of those, that's a grand slam. If you add in the Mexico, there's another subspecies in Mexico in the in the Sierra Madres. He's bigger, bony bigger bone structure and you wouldn't think it but you look at them and you think man those are monsters and uh but i had all four five subspecies and i they won't they i did the opening of the bass pro in knoxville mm -hmm. and i had all these they had me me mic'd up like this and talking you know making turkey sounds and talking to the people as it ended up but the second day the only thing i was doing was 
letting children, they'd come and see that big ghoul's turkey, and he's so big, and they'd want their picture taken with them. And I, there were so many people, all they could do was tell them which way the out and which way to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, well, can you tell us about that call you've got hanging around your neck there? That that Did I this hear you is, say something about that's a bone? That's, that's a bone, but this is interesting. Yeah, that's the one I was, I this noticed. Is a, that's a, the radius bone out of a hen turkey. Okay. Now, I was it in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I walked into this antique store, and a man came to me. My wife was looking for antique dolls, and he says, I said, you don't have any turkey calls, do you? He says, well, I do. I could bring one tomorrow, but you might not be interested. I collect possibles bags. And he showed me a picture of one that he had got, like from the 1800s, and it was so old it was crumbly. He said there was a bone, a, a, a turkey bone, in that possible's bag. And I saw one another man had that had a string around it, and it was hanging down. And I asked him, what did he do with the string? He said, I throwed it away. I said, oh, that would have been precious. But they called at that time, they were calling with the wing bone. Hmm. So, You know that's primitive, but it'll work. Mm-hmm. So it's. It, are you blowing through that? Is that how that no, works? No, I'm. I'm making little sips like. Okay. Gotcha. Now, the next thing they did in the 20s and 30s, they set, they put the bone in the in a trumpet. Uh huh. So that makes the that makes the song you you. Uh, it amplifies the sound. Okay, awesome. And it's just one of many calls. There's all kind of calls, but we use if you master several different kinds. If he don't, if the gobbler doesn't like this particular call today, that doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I've got something else. You've another, got a box another girl to give him. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But before we go, tell us about this bonk you were talking about earlier. You got me interested. It's a. It is a gobbler, a variation of a gobbler cluck. An old man, uh, Leon Johenning from Lexington, Virginia, wrote a book and edited. It was published in 1966. It had four or five printings. It's a, really a booklet. And it's small writing, but now it's one of the most precious things. He says, there's another vocalization that the gobblers do that I would describe it as half cluck and half yelp and I would say that's that it would identify it I don't have my bonk with me my bone with me today but I have a bone that Gene Denton gave me that wing bone crier made and it's a two-piece bone and it makes a perfect and wing bone would say he said I defy you and challenge you to make that vocalization better than you can make on a wing bone so wow. it's worked for me. All right. Well, we could tell stories Thank all day, and we appreciate these guys Thank for you. being with us. And, and uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. So we'll see you next time on Tennessee Wildcast. 
Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.